You know, when you meet somebody new and you're talking about who you are, what are the things that you say? Who are you? So I'm Jeff. I'm Ruth and Al, Bill's son. I'm Doug and Sharon and Lisa's brother. I'm Marilyn's husband. I'm Josh and Matt's dad. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan because O.J. Simpson was my hero as a kid. Weird. I believe that you can like two teams, so I'm also a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I'm a New York Yankees fan because of my dad. Don't hate me. I'm a Jersey guy. I was born and raised in Jersey. I've lived in Jersey all but about seven years of my life. That's a part of who I am. I like food that's not good for me. And I eat food that is good for me, but don't like it. <laughs> My least favorite Sunday of the year is Daylight Savings Sunday. Just being honest here. According to Myers-Briggs, I am an ENFJ. Who are you? When we peel the onion back, right, and we, we start taking away all of those things that define who we are, the, our histories and our, our relationships and our things that we like and things that we don't like, as you start peeling that away like the onion and you get to the very core of who you are, who are you? At the very core of who I am, I am a sinner, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's my identity. That's who I am, the essence of who I am, a sinner saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're in a series right now where we're talking about the nature of the church. What does it mean to be the church? And we're looking at what Paul taught about that through a letter he wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus. And we're just kind of going through the chapters and pulling out some insights into what the church is about. And so if you were here last week, as we started this series, you may recall that we looked at the fact that the church is the body of Christ. Christ, Jesus, is the head. He is the foundation. He's the cornerstone. He is the agenda of the church. Jesus is the agenda for the church, not an agenda, but the agenda. And when churches lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the agenda and put something else in that place, whether it's our buildings or our programs or our theologies or our controversies or anything else, 
then we lose track of who we are. And if we stay off track long enough, we cease to be the church. Jesus is the agenda for the church. And we are the body. We are the physical manifestation of Jesus in the world, the body of Christ. We are his body. And so as his body, we, we live out our faith. And uh, so we're moving into chapter two, and I want to just look at a few verses from chapter two and, and unpack it a little bit with you. So it's Ephesians two, it's verses eight through 10. And uh, we're gonna read verses eight and nine and, uh, and talk a little bit about that and then move into 10 in just a moment. So up on the screen are uh, the words and uh, I'm gonna invite us to read this together because we together are the church. So let's read these words from Ephesians chapter two. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from your it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For it is by grace, grace, God's unmerited favor, God's free gift, that's the nature of grace, right? It is by this free gift that you have been saved. Saved from what? From sin, from that which separates us from God. Those things that separate us from God are what sin is. And at the core of most sin is pride, ego. In essence, saying, I don't need God because I am God. We may not say those exact words, but that's the way that we live our lives when sin is the fuel. So we've been saved by the power of sin over our lives through faith, faith. Putting my trust in, putting my, my life in to someone or something. We put our faith into Christ. At the center of your life, when you have faith in Christ, is Christ. And so we here gathered are this community of sinners who are made saints, not because of anything that we have done, but because of the saving work of Jesus. That's the church, gathered sinners, were made saints because of Christ. And we're at different places in that. We're in different places. Some of you who have been walking in faith for a long time, serious about that faith and, and reading God's word and spending time in relationship with Christ through prayer and 
and other spiritual disciplines and your faith has grown and matured and you've had difficulties and challenges and, and you have been led through that. There have been times of doubt and frustration and all of that and you have come through that. You are going through that and your faith is deeper and more mature. There are others here who your faith is relatively new or young. You may have always believed, but really haven't acted on that faith, and, uh, or maybe you're just new to the faith, and so your faith is less mature, but you have this faith in Christ. And you may be here and don't know if you believe, if you have a faith in Christ, and you're exploring that, and I am thrilled that you are here in that journey. But that's the church. The gathered sinners, never forget that. Saved from sin through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the church. So what do we do, right? We just gather. That brings us to verse 10. That's where I want to spend our time here this morning. So in verse 10, again, the words will be on the screen. And again, let's read them together. Church, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are, you are God's handiwork. Other translations say masterpiece, right? Now, if this sounds familiar, good, because we talked about this very thing about four weeks ago in our series on opportunity, sharing our faith. We talked about this whole idea of being um, God's masterpiece and, and how we talk about our faith to people who, who don't share our faith and you know, ways to describe it. In that message where I was talking about this verse, I talked about the three, um, three steps that we are made in the image of God, that we are, that image of God is marred because of sin and we are being remade in Christ. Remember that? Please say yes, good, thank you, great. So now we're looking at this next piece. We were created to do good work. You were created to do good work that God prepared in advance for you to do. So what is that good work that we're called to do, church? What, what is this good work we're called to do? Well, I think Jesus kind of made it pretty clear, both in his earthly ministry, as well as when he ascended, before he ascended into heaven, he was all about making disciples who make disciples. Making disciples who make disciples. So Jesus gathers disciples around him and he begins to teach them about the kingdom of God. And then he would send them out into towns and villages and cities around to do the same thing. And then they would come back and they would talk about that experience and he would send them out and then they would come back and he'd send them out and then they would come back. 
And when he, just before he ascended into heaven, he said, and so that's your job. That's your good work. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go make disciples. So that's the work of the church. We are in the disciple-making business. So everything that we do should be somehow related to that enterprise, that focus, that role, that job. Make disciples who are making disciples. And so that's our role. That's our, that's our job. That's our opportunity. We, we invite people into a relationship with Christ and in through that relationship to grow in that love and knowledge of Christ and to give expression to it in the way that we live out our lives. You see, church isn't an event. Sometimes we, we get into the mindset that church is an event, right? It's an hour event on a Sunday morning, that's church. But that's not church. It's an important thing that we do. It's corporate worship. It's something that we're called to do and there's great value in these gatherings on these Sunday mornings, but that's not church, that's worship. Church is a community. It's the gathered community, those who are following Christ, those who are looking to follow Christ, coming together and encouraging and inspiring each other to move forward, to support each other when we're down, to encourage each other when we're struggling, to pray for each other, to inspire each other, to challenge each other. That's the nature of church. That's why we gather. That's community. And we're called to be that kind of place, a community of faith. We were created to do this good work that God prepared in advance for us to do. And each of us have a role in that. You have a role in that. The church is not just a place for, the, um, for a small group of people to do their thing and then the larger group of people to come and watch. And unfortunately, that becomes church. And it just becomes another commodity. Right? Even the way we talk about it. And I, I get what this means, but I, I've never liked the phrase church shopping. You ever heard that phrase? Church shopping. Now I get it, you know, if you're new to an area or something and you're, you're looking for a community of faith to plug into, you want to see, you know, if it feels like it fits and what's going on there and, you know, so you're checking it out. But to call it shopping gives it this idea of commodity, like it's another thing that I'm going to... I'm going to purchase. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to give some money and I'm going to, you know, participate in the worship and, and that's it. It's a community. It's not a commodity. 
and we're all called to be a part of it. You have a part. You've been called to this good work. We've been called to a good work, right? So together we, we do a good work in making disciples who are making disciples by being light to the world, showing the world a different kind of reality, showing the world the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God looks like on earth, imperfectly, but different than what the world has to offer. That's the church. Right. So you have a part. So I, I'm gonna throw out three questions that we all need to answer for ourselves. And I don't know that these are questions that you answer once for all time. I think at various times we need to ask and answer these questions when it comes to how I am operating within the community of faith. So, first question is, Who am I? It's sort of the question. It's who did God create me to be? Who was I created to be? Who was I created to be? And I think this question is one that speaks to your unique personality, your unique temperament. God made you, you. So you have this unique personality, this unique temperament. I was just talking to uh, a mom before the service started about her daughters, and she was telling me how different the two of them are, right? Same parents, same parenting style, two very different people. God created them unique just the way they are. So who did God create you to be? What is your personality? Now I told you at uh, the start, as I was describing who I am, that according to Myers-Briggs, which is this personality um, inventory that's, that's been around for a long time, I suspect many of you have taken the Myers-Briggs inventory. Um, if you haven't, you might want to check it out online. You can do a little online one and it will, it will describe your personality type, you'll be surprised how um, close these things are. So I'm an ENFP. I'm an extrovert, I'm intuitive, I'm feeling and I'm perceiving is the language. And so then they give these descriptions of what that personality type is like. And, um, and they can be quite extensive, but let me just give you a taste of ENFP. And uh, so here's what it says. An, ENF, an ENFP is warm, enthusiastic, typically bright. Notice they said typically, yes, I, I got that. I got that. Uh, full of potential. They live in a world of possibilities and can become very passionate and excited about things. Their enthusiasm 
lends them to, uh, yeah, lends them to the ability to inspire and motivate others more than we see in other types. Like, well, some of that's, right, pretty good. So it talks about, you know, the, the elements of a personality of somebody who carries these four traits. And if you're willing, it also talks about, here's some of the downside of that personality. I picked the least offensive one to share with you. They place, the ENFPs, place no importance on detailed maintenance type tasks and will frequently remain oblivious to these types of concerns. When they have to perform these tasks, they do not enjoy themselves. This is a challenging area of life for the ENFP and can be frustrating for their family members. <laughs> Nobody asked you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that pretty well nails it. That's, that's a hint into who I am. That's the way God wired me up. Now, there are 16 different types that Myers-Briggs talks about, right? Each one has these unique qualities and features. Each one has really great and important strengths, and each one has areas where they will struggle. Here's the beauty of community. When you have these various types all together, one of two things happens. Either you have warfare and chaos because, you know, you're out. How can you, how can you see things that way? How do you think that way? How do you, how do you, what? Or you have this great tapestry of the strengths of all of these personalities. And the reason it can work so well in the church is because we have a shared head. We have a shared agenda in Christ. And he calls us to operate under the rules of love. And so when we have a shared agenda and we have this call to treat each other in ways that are reflective of love, then our unique personalities can be woven together to do really extraordinary things. I have never, I say this all the time, I've never met a detail I had any interest in. But I know how important the details are. And so I've always had detail-oriented people in my life. And there are times where, you know, I frustrate them or they can frustrate me, but but at our best, we know the importance of what each one brings. So that's, that's the whole idea. What is your personality? What is your temperament? That's who God created you to be. God isn't looking to change your personality. God wants you to be the 
man, the woman that he created you to be, and to bring that into the community and to live that out in the context of the community. And when you do, it's a gift to each of us. So, the next question is, what is the next question? Uh, just throw it up on the screen because I'm finding it in my notes because it's a detail and I don't really care about the notes. <laughs> so what is it? What's the next question? <laughs> there she is. You were made to do the details in our family. And we're we're, we're going to do marriage counseling right here. What, were I, what was I made to do? What was I made to do? And this has to do with your skills, your talents, your giftedness. What was I made to do? Every one of you has things that God gifted you to be able to do. Nobody is unnecessary. Nobody lacks talents, gifts, abilities, skills, passion that could not or would not be a benefit within the church. And again, so one of the mistakes we make, I hear so often in churches, is this idea that the only thing the church is about is what you see happening up on the platform, right? Or maybe just behind the scenes. So if you're not a musician or somebody who's gonna get up and do a talk, if you're not somebody who's gonna be in the tech booth or a Sunday school teacher, then there really is no place for you in the church. And that's just not true. There is so much that happens within the context of community where all of the gifts need to be at play. You know, when you think about what goes on here and, and as you look at our website, as you look at bull, the bulletin, as you get our weekly emails and you see all of the things that are going on, they're going on because people invest their time and their talents and their passions and their skills to make those things happen. It's not because there's a staff. It's because people get involved and say, you know, I just have this passion. Most recently, um, we started this group that we're, we've been calling uh, the Opioid Roundtable. We're now calling it OR, um, Opioid Addiction uh, Awareness, Opioid Awareness Roundtable. <laughs> Again, it's a You got it. I know it's or, I know it stands for something. But it's this group of people who came and said, you know, there is this epidemic, it's killing people. It's overwhelming our state, our area, our, our towns, our families. What can we do? And so this group of people began to get together and to talk about what can the church do 
Nobody was, you know, saying I'm an expert in this and I've got this all figured out. It's this, you know, what, what can the church do? And they've developed now three strategies, spiritual support, education, and assistance for families who are dealing with a loved one dealing with this addiction. That's the church. But it came not because I said we should be doing something. It came because somebody had this concern, this passion. I was thinking about the disciples, right? So the disciples that we know, Peter, you know, he was always out there. He always had something to say. He was always active and, you know, larger than life. We think of the Apostle Paul who, you know, is going around the world and starting churches and writing the Bible. And um, John, you know, the beloved disciple who's at the cross. You know, so we know those guys. But what about Bartholomew? You know, Bartholomew was a disciple, right? Right? The only time Bartholomew is ever mentioned in scripture is when they list the disciples. That's all. Now there's legends about who Bartholomew was, but in terms of the scripture, all we know is that he was a disciple. So I was wondering about like, well, what did what Bartholomew do? Jesus picked him for a reason. And I have a feeling that Bartholomew was probably an introvert he was not an upfront kind of guy. Maybe he was a mentor. And he just had an effect working one-on-one or with a small group of people and, and discipled them profoundly. And then they went out and started churches <clears throat> and ministries. Maybe he did it through gifts of compassion and mercy just show the love of Jesus to people by the way that he cared for them. Every one of you has a talent, a gift, a passion. And as you employ it, it makes a difference. Here's how it gets, here's a way to get, how it gets started, right? Where, where would you even begin? If you're not already involved, where would you begin? And what I would tell folks all the time is just, just volunteer to do something. Start simple. You know, go to a small group. Just be in a small group. Or volunteer with something that you might be interested in, you know, hospitality or, or uh, with students or our, our kids or... You know, just, just get involved so people get to know you and you get to know people. So you're no longer anonymous. You're not a stranger. And then what we're encouraging people to do who are more mature in the faith is to have conversations with people that we're calling ICNU conversations. I-C-N-U. What do you see in the people around you? What gifts do you see in operation? What things do you see that they're doing that you didn't know? Like, wow, I see, I see leadership in you. You know, the way that you uh, think about things and the way that you um, 
work with people, there's, there's some leadership gifts in you. Or I, I see a teaching gift in you. Or you just have this servant gift, you know? Like anytime there's a need, you just roll up your sleeves and pitch in. I see in you this gift, this talent, this ability. It's one of the ways that we support each other in the church. Because oftentimes people are surprised. Like, really, you see that in me? I, I've never thought about that. I thought everybody could do that. I see in you. So, what am I supposed to do? If you haven't already figured it out, if you don't already know what your gifts are and how to use your gifts, that's your question. What am I supposed to do? God has something for you to do. And here's the last question. Where am I supposed to do it? Where am I supposed to go? What's the actual question I've got? Where am I to go to do it? Right? Where am I to go to do it? So maybe it's here, you know, within the context of this community. So you're supposed to go into the kids' ministry or you're supposed to go into, um, into one of the existing ministries, into a small group ministry, or maybe that's, that's the answer to the question, but maybe it is outside of here, that you're supposed to go somewhere beyond here, and you're already in places. How are you bringing your faith into your community? How are you bringing it into the activities that you do? Maybe you're, maybe you're leading kids in sports. How do you bring your faith into that? It's not preaching to kids, right? It's not, it's not about that, but how do you bring your faith into that? I was having a conversation with two young professionals uh, recently, and uh, they're trying to figure out how to bring into their department a God-honoring culture. And again, it's not reading scripture, it's not about you know, witnessing, uh, you know, let me tell you about Jesus necessarily, but the way that they conduct themselves and the way that they're going to lead in their department to bring God-honoring principles into that is the way that they're serving, it's the way they're living out their faith and they come here to be inspired and challenged and, and supported and so forth, and then they go out to serve in that way. Where's God calling you to be? And how do you bring the good news of Christ there? How are you the church in that place? So the team's gonna come back up and, and uh, kind of close this out in a song. And as they're coming up, just an opportunity for you just to spend a moment kind of reflecting on those questions. Who God created you to be, what God created you to do, and where God's calling you to go. So let's just spend a few quiet moments thinking on those things. So you are God's handiwork. Made just the way you are. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make junk. God made you as you are. And he called us to be the church.
to do a good work that he prepared in advance for us to do. To make disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. So play your part. Don't miss the opportunity. Because it's not about what you can do for us. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you. Using your uniqueness, your passions, your skills, your gifts to be a blessing to others. And as you do that, friends, the Lord will bless you and keep you and the Lord will make his face to shine upon you and the Lord will be gracious to you today and forever. Amen. Have a great week.